Hello and welcome to Mimi UU. I'm Mimi Nicklin, the host of the show. This podcast is anonymous and it's audio only without names to protect from unconscious bias or judgment and to allow true empathy to grow. The goal of the show is to share diverse stories from around the world by giving people a platform to share openly so that other people like you can understand diverse realities from around the globe. We exist to create empathy and not just talk about it. Welcome to Me, Me, You, You. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mimi You You show. Every story that we share enables you to have a slightly different perspective of the stories of people, perhaps on other sides of the world, or living in realities that you yourself haven't lived through. Today's guest is no different. He's joining me from across the world, and he's going to share not only his own story, but how his journey has impacted the lives of so many, many others. And I hope that in listening to this, you're going to understand the reality for many people living on the other side of the planet through poverty, change, and opportunity, and how human kindness can have such a great impact on the lives of so many, such a huge ripple effect. But before we kick off, I do always just say to my guests that we will protect your anonymity unless you yourself choose to uncover your identity towards the end of the show. Is that okay for you today joining the show? Yeah, that's perfectly fine. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for joining us and tuning in to share your quite unbelievable story. Let's start at the very beginning. Tell us a little bit about your journey growing up and what that meant to you and how you ended up in the role that you did. So, good morning and thank you, Mimi, for this uh, opportunity. So, I think as you mentioned, I will disclose my identity at the end of the show. But let uh, let me address uh, myself as an individual who was born in a small town in India, about 600 kilometers from the capital city of Delhi. I was born in 1960 in a middle-class family. My father was a lecturer of physics in the university and my mother was a housemaker and I had a younger sister. So we, we I and my sister grew up in that city. So completed my schooling and then went in for my engineering course and completed my engineering in 1982. And thereafter I moved to the capital city, Delhi, and started working in a corporate. I worked in uh, several corporates during my career. And uh, while growing up, let me share with you that right from my initial childhood, I had seen my father being so full of giving and, and, and a lot of compassion. I've seen him while he was uh, working. And uh, possibly those initial years of upbringing and watching my father being such a compassionate person, I think uh, I grew up with that culture, with that values, I would say. And once I completed my engineering in 1982, I moved to Delhi, as I mentioned earlier, then 
started working. I worked across different corporates, all big corporates in India, multinationals as well, couple of multinationals as well. And then, as I said, my father was a compassionate giver. So in, during my corporate working, when I was, say, around 36 or so, there was some event in my life. But even that event, when I say event, I happened to visit missionaries of charity in Kolkata, a city in India. And there, actually, after visiting that missionaries of charity, the real purpose of life, I could understand that what is the real purpose of life and life cannot be restricted to self. And when I say self, meaning me, my wife, my mother, my children. So the life has to be beyond that. And that possibly those 15, 20 minutes which I spent at Missionaries of Charity uh, really changed my thought process about life and the purpose of life that why we are born on this earth and we need to do really something meaningful uh, as long as we are there on this earth. Tell us just just a little bit for for the listeners who perhaps have never been to India or perhaps never grew up in the years you did in India. When you had that first trip to this charity mission and, and you, as you mentioned there, you really sort of discovered purpose and this need to be connected to others just paint the picture for everybody listening how the difference that perhaps discrepancy between the life you were living in the corporate world and this visit to this charity environment what does that look like what does that feel like so, so this, why did that from yeah. your purpose so 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 maybe basically when i visited this missionaries of charity run by mother teresa team i found a lot of young ladies in the 30s and early 40s working with leprosy patients and I really got really touched that these young women could also have led a life like me. Why they have chosen a life of serving or giving back or servicing the people who really need their support. So that was those 15-20 minutes as I keep repeating were something which really touched to my inner self to be honest. And then uh, from there on, as I said, I was 36 that time. And from there on, I felt, yes, at some point of time in my life, because I had my family, my wife and my son who was seven years old that time, I had that strong desire that I need to do something for the society at some point of time. And once I came back, that I, it was totally, actually, I didn't disclose this with anyone. But then I decided, yes. The moment I came back, before that, I had not heard anything about the development sector or the social service. I immediately came back, discussed with one or two of my colleagues that how can I contribute to the community since I was working at a family responsibility. So I started sponsoring a couple of girls in an NGO for their education because I was very, very keen and particular that I would at some point of time support girls' education in India, which is obviously very, very important, seeing the demography and seeing the pattern of education which is imparted to girls in India. So I was very clear that if India has to become a developed nation, girls' education is something which needs to be worked upon. And there, as I said, there are, thereafter I started supporting a couple of girls with their education. 
through writing checks basically nothing specific except that writing annual checks so the life went on and then finally in 2013 while i was at 53 and at a senior position in a corporate i since i had already had the dream of working and giving back to society i quit the corporate world and joined this organization odm care which whose vision is making young life shine working primarily with girls for their education and higher education so it's been now i'm in my 11th year of full time volunteering with this organization it's a 29 year old organization odm care and let me just take you back a little by from 2009 till 2030 i worked as a part time i and my wife in fact she's a medical doctor so i and my wife started volunteering part time with odm care and finally in august 2013 i quit and september 2013 i joined one of the girls home of odm care in greater noida which is a suburb of delhi and now still continue to be there as i said in my 11th year so we have a unique concept of having mentor parents so i and my wife are mentor parents to the girls in this particular home and today i have got 38 girls whom we are looking after as parents taking care of their education schooling health hygiene mental health everything like a big family so and the age group is from 10 to 21 So this is how the journey has been, and possibly the most fulfilling eleven, twelve years of my life. My gosh! So you are now a mental father to thirty-eight girls. That is that is a full-time job. Tell us a little bit. How, how do these girls end up in the Udayan home? What's uh, again? Many of the listeners won't be familiar with. Yeah, yeah. So some of of India. Yeah, sure, sure. So, so primarily, you see, the, in Indian system or Indian legal system, any child or any girl or a boy, for that matter, who doesn't have parents or who is an abandoned child or a runaway child, is put into a child care institution. We call it CCI, child care institution, and the child comes to the CCIs with the written legal orders. So, we work under the jurisdiction of law. so it's not that we can pick up any child and keep it in our home so every girl who comes to our this home we call it a home not a child care institution we call it a home since we are looking after the children as our family so every girl who comes to this particular home comes with the written legal orders of the court so today by uh, share with you we have uh, often girls abandoned girls runaway girls physically abused girls and once in a while we do get child marriage cases also which we have to look after so uh, as i just uh, keep repeating they all come in the written legal orders then i'd like to pick up on that point around child marriage because again this is <laughs> quite foreign to to people in other parts of the world When you say sometimes girls come through, you know, a reality of child marriage, what does that mean? So, so child in India there is a law, right, uh, that a boy cannot legally marry 
before the age of 21 and for girls that age is defined as 80 right so in some cases what happens maybe out of whatever reason a girl below 18 marries a boy which under the Indian marriage laws is illegal so if a complaint is made by the girl's parents against the boy obviously and in some cases the parents refuse to take the girl back in their home so all such cases where the girls marry below 18 are then uh, put uh, under the child care uh, institution responsibility so basically this is what the child marriage cases we also get once in a while and why is it that the parents might refuse to take their their daughter back after that marriage what's going on there kind of socially so so basically the parents in the majority of cases feel that the reputation of the family has been spoiled she has they feel that the girl has really shamed their family so in society in indian society especially this is not taken in a way in a positive way and in the majority of cases, yes, some cases the parents do take the girl back, but still, till the time the legal process is completed, the girl continues to be with us. But in majority of cases, the parents do not take the girl back because of the social stigma which is attached that their girl has run away and married and so on. So social stigma, I would say, is an important aspect mm-hmm. where the parents really... Uh, refuse to take the girl back. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about the the home. You have these 38 young women who are living together. Tell us a little bit about their daily lives. How do they how do they look? So uh, Mimi, it's like any small or big family. So the day starts with early morning, obviously, and. Uh, Every uh, organization, one thing is very clear that every child or every girl or boy in the boys' home, because we have separate girls' homes and boys' homes, has to have a daily schedule. So we, every child will either go to a school or do some vocational course because the idea of the organization is that by the time the girl or the boy turns 20, 21, he or she should be at least either academically completed her studies or done some vocational course so so that she could be supported with a job and she becomes independent and starts living independently. So that's the whole life cycle of the girl. So every morning they will go to school, come back, have their meals, then go for studies. Evening time they will have some recreation facilities where they will play some sports. Then again, evening uh, dinner, then after dinners, we have a recreation TV room, so they will watch TV for an hour. So it's a very, very structured duel for the entire day. So this is how the girls spent their day. And since most of these girls, or almost all the girls come with traumatic background, so we do a lot of work on mental health, let me put it that way. The counselors who are employed with us, they would have regular individual sessions, group sessions on different aspects of uh, life. So 
it's an ongoing process. So this is how normally the day is spent. Okay. And and tell us when they turned 20 or 21, you know, they've got their academics in place. And of course, this reality of children leaving structured care at 2021 is, is in many countries, you know, around the world. But tell us a little bit about how they how they go into the world. Because when I think of many 20-year-olds, they're still so young in, in so many ways. Obviously, they don't have family. They don't have parents. Suddenly, they, they're 20. They finish their studies. How do they how do they support themselves? How do they live out in the world? And what's your role in that transition? So so one is, Mimi, we do a lot of pre-preparation before the girls leave this institution for like we do a lot of life skill workshops throughout, right? From the age of 15, we start preparing them, right? So we, right from 15 till 18, 19, 20, we treat them what is finances, how they have to meet their identity, different identity, like an Indian election card or a Indian PAN card, which is to do with the income tax. So all these, a lot of workshops are done, they are prepared. And yes, uh, even after they move into a PG we, we, or a paying guest accommodation while they start working, our connection with them is always there. Because we have a concept, as I said, a family living concept. So like today, tens of girls, are, I would say at least hundreds of girls have moved out from this home. Uh, but I'm in, uh, you can say, constant touch uh, with them. So we meet on different occasions, on their birthdays, my birthday lot of girls will come over and celebrate. So we have a continuous connect and they are termed as alumni of the organization. So the relationship or the bonding, I would say, is like lifelong. And we have we keep in touch with each other. Just to share a small example, like I have a group of almost 30, 40 such young adults who have moved out. So a morning broadcast is sent by me, wishing them good morning to everyone. And then possibly I get reply from almost everyone. So that's how we try to keep in touch. And yes, once in a while, we do meet on different festivals and different occasions. So it's always like a family for them. Whenever they are in any concern, any trouble, we stand by them as a family. I mean, just a phenomenal story. And I'm, I'm sure you are very proud of, of many of them. But I would love you to share a story or two of some of these young women who have really gone on to be able to build a, a life for themselves. So are there any stories, you know, potentially without names, but any stories that stand out? So, Mimi, there are, as I said, tons of stories. And just to mention here at this point of time that last year on 29th of July, to be specific, I had released my book, Wings to Fly, right? And that's about my 13, 14 years of volunteering journey with Odean Care. And it has got a lot of stories. The book is available on Amazon, both in India and outside India. And if anyone who listens to this wishes to buy and know more about what we do and how about some success stories, they could pick up a copy of that. But just to share with you a couple of stories. In fact, in the book, Wings to Fly, I have specific chapter which is just success stories and that chapter has success stories of two young adults there is a boy whose story is covered that how six years back 
I got connected with him. And after six years, he's working in a corporate. And six years back, he was just, you can say, a vagabond, just strolling on the roads on or on the streets. So, and then there is another girl came to us at a very young age in our organization. And today she is become a big fashion designer doing a completing her fashion study course from the topmost uh, fashion colleges of India. These are two, but yes, uh, as I speak, there are two of my young adults. One is pursuing a master's degree from University of Gloucestershire. She had come at the age of four, completed her graduation from Delhi University. And last year, she went for her master's on full scholarship to University of Gloucestershire. And then there is another girl and a boy who are doing their master's from St. Andrews University, Scotland. And both, again, all full scholarship. And apart from that, as I said, there are many more success stories, which I, if I keep narrating here, it may take a couple of hours to complete. <laughs> so, so, but as I may keep mentioning again, if someone is really interested to know more, they could pick up this book, Wings to Fly. I will absolutely make sure that that goes in the show notes so that everyone can click through and, and get hold of that book and, and read some of these stories. When you mentioned just then the young woman and the other, the, the two young women and the gentleman that are at the university in, in England now, yeah. it brings actually tears to my eyes to think about not only the, the tenacity and resilience and commitment of those young people to change their journeys, but also, of course, the work that you, your wife and, and those around you are doing to, you know, really change journeys. I want to... Ask you about the maybe, maybe yes. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, pardon me. Uh, also about the book. Let me tell you, I have uh, divided the book into three parts. Mm -hmm. That's all my own philosophy, my own thought process. So I divided the book into three parts: the learning phase, the earning phase, and the returning phase. Right. Okay. So the learning phase is when we are in school, college, etc., and the earning phase is either we are working or into some business and all that. And the returning phase. Returning phase means it's a general philosophy we all know that we all came empty-handed in this world and we'll go back empty-handed. So this is our returning phase. So we are trying to give back our time, love, knowledge, and whatever little wealth we have back to the community. So that's the philosophy of our, our family. So the book which I just mentioned has a bit about our family's philanthropic actions also mm -hmm. mentioned. Thank you. And no, do, don't apologize. Thank you so much for adding that. I, I just love that concept of returning what we have to the community. What I wanted to ask you was about the difficult times because, and let me just frame this. So, you know, we, we often hear about phenomenal stories like this in the media. And of course, as listeners, we think, well, you know, I would love to do that. I would love to be a volunteer and change people's lives, but I know it absolutely hasn't been an, an easy journey right for all of those years so tell us a little bit as this mental father from your own point of view what has been hard about that when have there been difficult times tell us a little bit about the other side of this work that isn't just the inspiring positive outcomes but as a man as a leader as a mentor tell us from your experience about that journey 
so maybe as you rightly said no journey is perfect right and until unless you have some challenges or some obstacles you do not relearn and try to be more creative so one thing which let me tell you when i started the full time about 11 years back yes there were initial pushbacks and challenges from the girls who were there at that time lot of girls have moved on they become alumni started working but yes initial 3 4 6 months were really challenging and seeing a new face coming in their lives but then with time i would say things slowly settled down and i became a good listener myself because i had a 30 years of corporate experience where we were more giving our communication to others so it, it was very important that when you work with such type of children traumatic children you have to be a very good listener understand because every child comes with a different type of a background different type of a trauma and yes over the years there have been challenges when uh, things uh, possibly i couldn't uh, manage but then yet we have a full team of uh, my own managing trustee who i i think missed mentioning when my managing trustee and founder she is like encyclopedia of knowledge and she has been my biggest uh, support system as far as this organization is concerned so i would obviously fall back upon her for any challenges which would come because she started the organization in 1994 we are as i said in the 30th year and yes i have been myself attending a lot of workshops trainings on the subject of alternative care so yes i would say yes challenges have been there and with great team support my own learnings through different channels and one thing which i would strongly say here which i keep telling even the children or the beneficiaries that see i am not doing any favor to anyone be it the children or be it the organization it was my dream to do something give back to the society and so it's basically the other way around that the i am obliged to the children that or to the girls who have accepted me in the life so i think uh, yes initial 6 8 months were tough but then i think here and there we had challenges but yes nothing any major which i could uh, feel that yes i felt bad or something like that yes all children are different no two child are same challenges are different but yes speaking listening listening i think has also helped me to become a different person than what i was maybe 10 years back I I'm fascinated by your point around listening there because a huge amount of my work is in teaching listening right uh, predominantly to the corporate world but also to to all of us for anyone listening today who is working with children or perhaps they're just parents you know you 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 call yourself a mental father to anyone that is a parent just give us a, a couple of pieces of advice from your point of view as to how we listen to our children better what have you learned so one thing which uh, possibly i feel that i know all that should not be the philosophy of parents or we know all and we are the best judge i think in today's changing scenario when i started my journey or when i were in 1982 there were no tv hardly the tv was there there was no mobile no internet and nothing like that times are changing we are now in a world where things are available by on a click of a button 
So I think with the modern time, with the modern technology, yes, we have to guide the children what is right and what is wrong. But I think, as I mentioned in my previous segment also, we need to listen to them because I think they are now more, I would not say knowledgeable, but yes, well-read as far as different things are concerned. And we should not put or push our agenda but in Indian condition, let me tell you many times, a father who could not become an engineer will try to push his son, that you should become an engineer. Why? There are so many different career options available. And so, in our times, I know, when I passed out from school in 1977, possibly medicine and engineering were the only two options. So, I opted for engineering. But today, when it comes to career options, I think the choices are limitless. So, I think... Parents need to be very, very patient, need to be good listeners, and yes, give children a little bit of free end, but yes, definitely telling them what is right and what is wrong. That's the thing which values which as parents we need to give. Mm, absolutely. So creating that balance between <laughs> sharing yeah. wisdom, but also allowing your children the space to teach you things as well. Yes. yes. Wonderful. So as we look forward in your journey, what's what's next for you in this work? What what comes next in your journey? So in fact, actually we have just talked about one program, we mean, but we have a couple of other programs in the organization. So uh, briefly I will just tell you in a minute or two about the other programs. So we have another program which is called Odian Shalini Fellowship Program which is totally a separate program for this own program, what we call, which I explained earlier. And under this program, Shalini means dignified women or empowered women. So we are supporting girls from economically weaker section from class 11th till they graduate. And this program is spread all across India. We are there in 13, 14 states in 34 cities of India and almost 14,000, 15,000 girls have benefited from this program. So th this is another program where we have girls across the globe working in different capacities and different organizations. And so this is another program which we obviously want to spread. We are working hard on this to take it to every state of India. And yes, our vision is that by next next five years, we should be there today. We are there in 15 states. We would like to cover the other 14, 15 states of India and make our presence there. It's a purely program for higher education. And mentoring, again, is a very, very important pillar. We do give some fellowship also to the girls in this program. But mentoring is, a, as I said, an important pillar where we are giving guidance, counseling, coaching to these bright young girls who join us in this program in class 11th. And if there are listeners, even across the globe, they could be part of a volunteering or mentoring these girls because today pandemic has taught us that distance is now meaningless. Today, a lot of things are happening. Like we are doing this podcast sitting somewhere in, across the world. So similarly, uh, people put join hands with us to do volunteering or mentoring for these bright young girls coming from the weaker section of the society. A weaker section means economically weaker section. And so this is another program. And then we have another uh, program where we are doing a skilling program. So we are uh, running IT and skilling centers, Pan India. Roughly, we have 21 centers 
running open to girls and boys in the community and so far we have trained almost 25000 youth for different programs and made them employable again across india so as i said any listener who is listening when he wishes to connect he can contact me at the end i will share my name my organization anywhere i mentioned my connect contact numbers and so on and people are free to volunteer or mentor fantastic well let's go ahead and and share those details of yours so people can find you i would love for this show to be a prompt for others to to get involved whether that is you know financial support of some of these programs that truly is changing lives and and leaning into the opportunities for young people across india uh, or as you said volunteering uh, or mentoring with you so please do go ahead and and share your name your location your details so people can find you yeah yeah so my name is deepak sharma d w e p a k s h a r m a deepak sharma i am based in uh, greater noida which is 40 kilometers uh, of delhi delhi which is the capital of india and my contact number is plus 9192121026 i will just repeat plus 9192121026 and my email id is dwepak. s h e r m a at the rate udayan u d a y a n c a r e dot com deepak dot sharma at udayan care dot com so i would be more than happy and willing to address any of the concerns or any of the queries which listeners might have at any point of time oh deepak thank you very much for sharing and i will put all of those details also in the show notes so that people can find you and we will of course share those on social media as well. In my work in the year ahead in 2024, we will be doing much more work with uh female leaders and women, uh entrepreneurs and and younger women as well. And I'm going to really consider how we can connect the work we're doing to crime, create more empathy in the world with the work you are doing to create opportunity for for so many young people. So, thank you for joining us today and and sharing how we can change our lives um and how making that choice can also impact those of so many others this you know idea of leaving the corporate world and dedicating yourself to giving back to your community and uplifting the people around you so i have found it incredibly can i make can i make a one can i make a one last statement you are more than welcome please go ahead okay, thank you so normally this is how i am that we are all lucky to have got a human life or a life so let's try to make the best use of it and before we leave the world do something meaningful for the society whatever your heart says it could be anything to do with climate old age or whatever but please let's all promise that we should do something meaning- meaningful before we leave this world thank you oh thank you and absolutely i uh, i believe in that greatly that we are here to be able to give back and make an impact and create that space and opportunity for the future. So for everyone listening today, thank you for joining. Uh, you can find out more about Deepak and his amazing work at Adyen Care in the show notes or across our social media as this episode goes live. Meanwhile, please do find more of our stories on the Mimi Yu show on Instagram or connect with us on LinkedIn. To everyone here today, thank you for joining us and Deepak, thank you again. 
for being here and sharing such inspiration with our week. Thank you, Mimi. Thanks. It was a pleasure having you, having me on the show. Thank you so much. And have a great day. Thank you for joining us today on Mimi UU. This episode is one in a series that has been designed to create empathy in our world. If you would like to join us on the show, please click on www.joinmimiuu.com or follow us across social media at Mimi UU Show. I believe that the more the world talks about empathy, the more empathy the world will have. And I hope that this show is the beginning of doing just that.